Welcome to episode 28 of Red Board Rewind. My name is Spencer Luganbuehl. My special guest today is a man who works for TVG, Dave Ice Cold Exacto Weaver. Today we talk about the three daily preps from last weekend, coast to coast. And some angles we talk about are how taking deeper dives in running lines can help you find improving favorites, looks like there's finally a leading colt in the Bob Baffert barn, and how sometimes after redboarding you still can't find the winner. This is a Redboard Rewind. It's the same old story in this cycle. We go back and forth. We go back and forth. Ain't good for me. What we do this for? We go back and forth. Won't do this no more. Always have it selling. Always have it selling. Always have it selling. Always have it selling. And now I'd like to welcome in my special guest from TVG fame, Dave Weaver. Dave, how you doing today? Doing awesome, Spence. What's going on? Hanging in there. Pretty crazy Monday so far. Excited to talk about these derby preps with a couple upsets. A uh, couple softball questions for you to start off. What really got you into the sport of horse racing? Oh, well, I mean, I, I grew up Cypress, California, which is the same city where Los Alamitos Racecourse um, is. So, in the 80s, I was born in 74, so like mid-80s and I was maybe like 9 or 10 is when I first remember really going to the to the racetrack. And it's a track that had harness racing for part of the year, quarter horse racing for mm-hmm. part of the year, thoroughbred racing. They had a, a Orange County fair meet that would come in for a few weeks. So I just basically fell in love with all all the breeds and especially the gambling side of it when you can – you know, make five bucks and show up to school and be able to buy all the powdered donuts you want the next morning. There was no better feeling than that. For you, angle-wise, what are some of your favorite angles when it comes to betting the horses? So, and again, you know, I can handicap quarter horse races, harness racing, thoroughbred racing, but let's specifically talk about the thoroughbred racing here. And, you know, you pretty much need to, if you can, Get your hands on as much information as possible. So my my go to is Thurgraph. Um, if I'm you know not wanting to pour eight hours into handicapping a card, which believe me, I I'm the king of the speed handicapping. So I want to do things as quickly as possible. So I just want to look at the Thurgraphs. You know, try to find horses that stand out um, from from that standpoint, and then I'm going to handicap the race as I would normally um, by looking at it for pace. Clearly, um, if you have four horses that are going to duel on the lead, I want a closer. And if you're the lone speed, you obviously have, have a huge edge. But the, the one thing that takes time that is the key factor for picking winners is watching replays. I know there was a time last week where I just watched one replay. That's pretty much all the time I had. Boom the horse wins nine to two. If I had the time to watch every replay, I would be so much better of a handicapper, but I I'm lazy. You know, I just don't, I don't put in the time to watch every single replay, but I know if I ever did that, I could actually be good at this game, but I'm not, I stink. <laughs> I don't know about that. When it comes to pace, I know you had said like four speed horses look for the closer. Do you ever think like maybe the speed of the speed can try and steal it and ends up being a more elevated price due to people looking at the four speeds and saying, Oh, it's got to break down at this point or break apart. I do, but I have a hard time 
ever figuring that out. You know, I mean, there are people better at it than me that, that will know, okay, of these four horses that look like they can all go 21 and three, this is the one that's today going to go 21 and two and open up a length and, and be able to put those horses away. But I've never had much success in guessing who the speed of the speed is when they all look the same to me. I kind of, so I just, it makes it easier for me to just go for a closer. I definitely have that same problem. I, I've tried to use more time form recently, stuff like that. Their, their ratings kind of help me out. But still, nice. I just read the Modern Pace Handicapping by um, Tom Brohammer, and it's just interesting, like, when you break down a book that's, you know, 30, 40 years old, and still some of that stuff still makes sense in today's game. Yeah, that's another problem I have. I'm a self-learner, so I've never written uh, or read a handicapping book before. Um, I love to golf. I've never taken a golf lesson before, and I suck at golf, and I refuse to take a lesson. Why? I don't know. I mean, maybe – you know, the, the, the information is out there. There are people that are trying to help you, but I'm stubborn and I want to, I want to learn on my own. And, you know, I've got a lot of catching up to do in the ROI department, but yeah, I mean, maybe I should read a book. <laughs> I gave up the golf game a couple of years ago for the, <laughs> for the more intrinsic uh, disc golf, Frisbee golf. That's what I'm actually going to go. Play I actually today. been playing that the last couple of weeks too, with a friend of mine and it's okay. I, I, I will not, I will not knock uh, disc golf at all. It's uh, definitely something when people are like, oh, yeah, I play that. They're like, what do you mean? What is that? People have no idea until they start playing. They're like, oh, this is actually more fun than regular golf sometimes and definitely way less money. And I suck at that, too. <laughs> so process-wise, you start with the pace. Is there anything that you'll ever, like, truly get, like, into the trenches with? Like, if you're looking at class, are you looking to see the, you know, who the horses faced last time out, kind of see their records or – is it mostly pace for you is where you dive the deepest? I, I do look at class, not as much as somebody like Todd Shrupp I'll be working with, and he'll look at a race like nine starts ago from 2018. Mm -hmm. it's, oh, well, this horse raced against so-and-so. I don't care about that. Like, I, I, want, I want recent things. I mean, yeah, you can dig a little bit. There was a horse that won a Gulfstream last week named Katie Lee. She was around nine to one, I think, and she beat – Bella Fina in a maiden race in California, like nine starts before that. And she was in a $16,000 race and she won, but she had been basically up the track every start since then. So there's probably people out there that, that were looking at that line going, wow, she beat Bella Fina. How could she lose to this field of $16,000 claimers? And, and they would have been right. Um, but I'm looking at a horse that just hasn't done anything since then. So that line to me so long ago, I'm not going to give any, any credit for it. It's interesting when people talk about back class, because to me, back class isn't just who's in the running lines. It's have they ran the numbers that can win today's races? Is it off a layoff? Like, there's so many other things. Like, when you try to redboard and you try and figure out how the horse won, I can come up with two different ways. You can come up with five different ways. Are we both right? We might be. Or it might be a spot where if I think there's a bias in the track and you don't, maybe I'll get the wrong side of it and you'll have the right side of it by fading a short time a short favorite horse while i'll be going for that horse i mean the one thing that we can agree on is basically the odds are being based on what horses have done in their last start mm -hmm. maybe in their last two so if you can dig back three or four starts to me that's where you can find you know these hidden 10 15 to one shots that maybe not have a great race their last two but they do have a, a race that if they run it from three back would still be good enough to win today. And those are the type of horses that I'm looking for the most. If I'm, if I'm trying to find a price, you obviously there are going to be some sharp horses that you're going to like. Um, but if you can dig 
three, four starts back, that's what I'm looking at a lot of the times. The new book by Barry Meadow came out last year, Skeptical Handicapper. I'm still reading through that. And he says, for certain connections, they're just always going to be the underbet horses. Someone like Chad Brown at Saratoga, you're going to have to either find that one golden nugget that's five, six to one, or you're just going to have to try and just lose a couple times to them until you find one that's at least three to one. A lot of those seven to five shots, they do come through the winner's circle. But when you have someone like that with Javier on, the horse is always going to be under two to one. Yeah. I mean, Pletcher, Brown, Baffert, mm-hmm. you're just never going to get these guys at, at a big price. It, it does happen once in a while. I think Chad Brown had like a 19 to one shot that did win um, last meet at the spa. And after the race, you're going, how did that just happen? Absolutely. Right. And <laughs> I work for the bet squad out there and they always say, it's just Chad Brown's world. We're living in it. And then something like that happens <laughs> and everyone's throwing tickets away. And I'm like, hello guys, what's going on over here? Like, <laughs> What do you say we get started? Let's start out at the West Coast. Let's start out at Santa Anita. It was race number okay. eight from Saturday. The San Felipe grade two going one and one sixteenth miles on the dirt. What were your thoughts going into this race? Well, you know, we had the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner in there storm the court, um, who wasn't the favorite, by the way, because Bob Baffert had a pair of undefeated Colts in the form of Authentic and Thousand Words. But the horse that I was looking at that, that I really have just – Loved um, the appearance of him all along. It was the number two horse, Honor AP. He was the $850,000 um, purchase that in his very first race, he came storming on late to finish second, but just a big, muscular-looking son of Honor Code. Then he would come back and win his maiden just so impressively uh, back in October. He hadn't raced since then, but I, I, I was really excited about um, his chances here making his stakes debut. When I broke down the two Bafferts, one of my friends is very high on thousand words. A horse like this, three for three, the slow improvement may be good, may not be good, but he doesn't seem to really put away fields. He's never won by more than three quarters of a length. I just feel that if he ever gets down to the nitty gritty, he might have trouble really putting away a solid foe. I thought authentic would be the one last time out, one by seven. Azul Coast came back and won that stake up at. Golden Gate Fields. The works off the layoff were huge. I liked him the best of the Bafferts. I was also on Honor AP. I just love... Go ahead. I liked Thousand Words from from before his first race. I remember looking at the Clocker Report, and he had like a monster, you know, workouts like a lot of the Baffert horses do. A lot of them are going to get a B plus. I'm almost certain that he, he had an A minus workout, which you don't see all that often for a first time starter at the age of two. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he didn't make the lead though. He kind of won from off the pace. I thought he was going to be a horse who was going to be quick. And it's turned out that he's, you know, done most of his best running now from, from slightly off the pace. So that made authentic, the horse that was going to be out on the lead and the one that they were going to have to catch. For sure. The thing with Honor AP, I did like, I know that he had missed a work and everyone was freaking out about that. I thought that the only way John Sheriff's put the horse in this type of race is if he thought the horse was ready. I love the improvement from first start to second start. Mike Smith still staying on was nice. The, the whole perception of Storm the Court, everyone says the BC Juvenile has come back awful, which it has. But I kind of felt this was the same type of spot that got Stormy was in at Tampa where Coming off of what the San Vicente was for this horse, which was a prep, I don't think they're trying to get this horse to go seven furlongs. Now you get him back out to what is going to be as what we think is going to be a better distance for him. And I really thought this horse was going to improve and had some nice works as well coming into it, like we expect from the good three-year-olds. 
Yeah, you, you have to wonder when uh, Flavian Pratt, who'd ridden Storm the Court every single time, including the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, didn't ride, and he went to, uh, to Thousand Words. But yeah, I was expecting a big race from Storm the Court as well. For you, out of all the other horses wrecking crew, was there any horse that you thought might be able to spice up the exotics? No. To me, it looked like a pretty straightforward, you know, top three type of, well, top four as far as the contenders on our AP, authentic thousand words and storm the court. I didn't give any of the, uh, any of the double digit odds horses, any, any sort of a chance. What did you do from a betting standpoint in this race? I passed. I actually didn't, I didn't bet this race. Um, I, I did not play it. Um, but if I would have, I would have bet, I would have bet honor AP. When I saw honor AP at around three to one, I thought that maybe the public had missed something. So I decided to, Hit him with a little win play show there. I was expecting a nice little run off the layoff. Let's see who wins this grade two out at the Great Race Place right now. And they're off in the San Felipe. Authentic bobbled slightly but recovers immediately and will vie for the lead. Thousand Words is up close and so is Storm the Court. Three of them across the track. Honor AP came away in good order and now settles in fourth along the inside with Wrecking Crew next. They're followed by Fort McHenry and Swag Sational. Authentic is the leader around the first turn. Opens up a length and a half. Storm the Court is in second and Thousand Words tucked in third. Two lengths off his stablemate with less than six furlongs to go. Honor AP has four lengths to make up. Wrecking Crew inches up outside of him. Then Fort McHenry in a gap of four to Swag Sational. Past the five-eighths they go in the San Felipe Stakes, chasing Authentic, who's in front by a length and a half. Storm the Court is asked to get closer in second. Thousand words, a comfortable third. Honor AP is fourth past the half-mile pole. He's four lengths off the lead. Wrecking Crew is outside of him. The gray is Fort McHenry with six to make up, and it's a long way to Swag Sational. Authentic in charge around the turn. Clear by a length and a half to storm the court in second. Honor AP moves up on the outside, trying to get into second now. Then it's Wrecking Crew. Thousand Words has lost ground. He's five lengths off Authentic as the field turns for home. Honor AP is coming after Authentic. Authentic the leader. Honor AP chasing with determination. Then storm the court there in the final furlong. And it's Authentic who's still very strong on the front end. And he pulls away with authority. Authentic is undefeated as he will romp in the San Felipe, a very easy two and a half lengths. Honor AP, a solid comeback. Storm the court third. And Authentic gets it done for Bob Baffert, paying 440 with a buyer of 98. What are your thoughts now post-race, Dave? Well, you know, he did stumble just a little bit. That was the first thing Frank Miramati said is that he stumbled out of the gate, but it did, didn't affect him at all because he went right to the front and looked very relaxed under Drayden Van Dyke. He was able to make a comfortable lead. That's something that in the, in the other prep races that we're going to see didn't happen. You know, we had some pretty big pace going on in the Gotham, the Tampa Bay Derby, but authentic to me had things his way and then probably should have won with that trip. But when they got to the top of the lane, he had a, a new customer to deal with in honor AP. I thought he was going to get by for a brief second there, but then he was able to kick on and, and, and put him away. But for Honor AP, not having raced since October and his first start against winners, I thought it, that John Sheriffs has to be thrilled to death with that uh, second place finish and has to be excited about his chances going forward. What I noticed on Twitter after the race was a lot of people were like, 
wow, I'm, who do you want out of this race? And everyone was saying honor AP. It was interesting that now people jump on the bandwagon, not before the race. I, I was very excited when I saw Storm the Court come in and finish third. Obviously, he improved a little bit on the buyer scale. I think this horse, everyone's going to have a negative opinion on for the rest of the preps and for the Derby. If he can, if and when he if he can get to the Derby line, I think that he'll be a decent price, and he might be one that can spice up the exotics underneath. And hopefully Joel stays now that Pratt's off, maybe. We'll have to see with that. But Joel's definitely one of the best riders when it comes to coming from off the pace. I, I would think that Storm the Court is going to continue to 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 start being a bigger price. And if you're right about that, yeah. I mean, if he does make the Derby, you could get a, a big number on him. He was trying to keep him a little bit more forwardly placed. He was kind of uh, riding him hard down the down the backside to you know try to keep up with Authentic. And in the end, I guess he just, you know, he, he he wasn't the best on this day. But as much as you have to like Honor AP, how could you not like what you saw on Authentic? I mean, he was huge. He, you know, did the did the dirty work early and, and was able to finish strongly down the stretch as well. So undefeated Bob Baffert runner sounds familiar, huh? Yeah, I think this will be one that we will definitely <laughs> be seeing taking a lot of money that first Saturday in May. Uh, the last horse we didn't really talk about post was Thousand Words. Finishes off the board fourth. Are you a little bit worried? Or are you just his buyer dropped? But to me, this might be the race that now everyone jumps off, and now he might come with a strong run in the next race as well. I don't know. I mean, if he raced against Authentic again, it would be hard for me to think that there's any way that he's going to turn the tables. So it just wasn't enough there for me to to like. But maybe this is the point where Baffert separates them, and you know, maybe Thousand Words is like a Sunland Derby type of horse or maybe he's going to take some of these he's going to split them up obviously he's going mm-hmm. to take some to oakland he's going to keep some here at santa anita and he seems like he always sends one to sunland as well to try to get some points there i think it'll be interesting especially with a horse like honor ap it seemed like thousand word was like the horse of choice early on in that two-year-old season now uh bob's delivered with some really really strong three-year-olds that didn't even really race at two I kind of feel like those are going to end up being the better ones out of his barn when push comes to shove. Boy, does he have a barn full. He has so many chances at this year's Derby, but Authentic's been sensational. For me, horses coming out of this, I'm really looking forward to Honor AP and Storm the Court. What do you say we go east side and go to Aqueduct, Dave? Let's do it. This was the 10th race at Aqueduct. It was one mile. The Gotham Grade 3 Interesting, most of the time you're seeing the preps right now, they're stretching out. This one kind of is now we're cutting back. What were your thoughts? Well, um, you know, I liked a horse a lot in this race that didn't show up. But uh, I I thought Montauk traffic was going to be huge in here. Had already won uh, a stakes race locally, even though it was only at seven furlongs. But stretching out to the mile. And then you had a horse like mischievous Alex who – same thing. He was a seven furlong winner last time out in the grade three swale. He was stretching out to a mile, but he had been a mile before, even though he hadn't won going past um, seven furlongs. Since they put the blinkers on two starts back, he just turned into a complete monster. I find it interesting when you try to break down races and whenever we see a big jump, like obviously they tried him on the turf and that was just a race that I just kind of crossed out. So he went from a 72 in the sapling all the way up to an 87 in the parks juvenile. Okay. Well, I don't feel like people look inside the running lines hard enough. Sometimes they're just like, well, he must just be improving. He's, he's going, you know, 
he was late time two year old. Now he'll probably improve as a three year old. No, it was. It really looks like it was the blinkers that was the positive move for this horse. No doubt about it. There are actually three horses in the in the Gotham that made an equipment change to adding the blinkers and and one the one the uh, the three war stopper and uh, they had blink, blinkers on last time out. Mischievous Alex had done it two starts back, but yeah, it's an amazing thing that uh, for these younger horses, what a difference putting the blinkers on will make. It seemed to me like Mischievous Alex, he was my lone single of the day. I just, he was the only graded stake winner in the field, Alibet seven furlongs, but that 47 bullet work really shows that he was probably still on his toes. And like you had said, Montauk Traffic was the only other one who had won a stake. Everyone else coming into this was, you know, a strong, a strong maiden winner, but just didn't quite, I think, have the bottom of competition. They hadn't been facing the best of the best yet to really garner something like they would be able to flip the tables on Mischievous Alex, who also was going to be forwardly placed in this race. And a horse that was actually favored against him in the in the grade three swale, Untitled, was also in there. It's a terrible break for Untitled in that uh, swale. He would come back and then get beaten in an allowance race last, last time out, but I was curious to see if Untitled would be able to bounce back. When you see Obviously, like you said, he was off the board in the swale, and then he comes back, improves the buyer. When you see a horse improve a buyer but and still hit the board but not win, is that still – it kind of, to me, it will always show promise. People want to see wins. I just like to see the improving buyers. That, to me, shows the horses on the up in the form cycle. Well, he improved it, but it still wasn't even close to where he was in his first start. Where I mean, to put up a 98 in your career debut, you just don't see that. So he's still ever – is he ever going to get back to that race that he – first time out or did that you know take so much out of him that he's never going to get back there i know he was on the lead and it shows slow blue time form fractions to me that was just the perfect trip absolute can't do any better than that so until he gets left on alone on the lead again like that we may see another improvement but it's hard now with these three-year-old races a lot of horses like to be forwardly placed because that's you don't really see many closers come back out of races, you know, I think of last year, Harvey Wallbanger was winning the race down in Florida. He just came back and won, I believe. It was either a stake or an allowance race a couple of weeks ago. Like, these horses, they pop up as a closer and win one race, and then you don't see them ever again really winning a race for a while. Yeah, he won an undercard at the Fountain of Youth uh, Day mm-hmm. at, at Gulfstream Park. From Yeah, he, he was one that would come from way out of it. Yeah. Any thoughts wagering-wise for this race? Yeah, so I ended up making a pretty decent bet on uh, Montauk traffic and, and keyed him in all of my uh, pick fours and pick fives. So that that was I was pretty much an an, an all in move on him. You, did you play anything back with the favorite on top in a race, exactus trifectas, or just pretty much strain play? Pick I did four, not. Pick five? I was okay. just ride, riding him to 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 close everything out. For me, it was a pretty strong win bet on mischievous Alex. Let's see who wins the grade three Gotham right now. And they're off in the Gotham and mischievous Alex came away. Well, when is going out for the early lead on the outside is untitled and in between horses there and coming on through now is war stopper. And then down at the rail, it is informative at the fence, it's Celtic Striker. Up the back stretch, War Stopper is the leader. Celtic Striker runs in second. Mischievous Alex is now back in third. On the outside is Untitled, who's racing in fourth. Informative is fifth. That is Flapjack in sixth, as attachment rate moves up in between horses from seventh. And then it's Necker Island in eighth. Far outside is first deputy in ninth. Montauk Traffic runs in tenth and a break of four to Sixto, who trails the field in eleventh. The three-year-olds. 
Head for the far turn, the quarter in 23 and 2, the half mile in 47 and 1. Mischievous Alex is now up to Polka, nose in front. Down on the inside is War Stopper. Untitled has gained ground. Then Long Shots, Flapjack. And first deputy, Warstopper now drops out of it, passed there by Attachment Rate and Necker Island. Three of them across as they come for the top of the stretch. It is Mischievous Alex, untitled. And on the outside, it's Flapjack, Mischievous Alex, down at the rail, trying to hang in there for another eighth of a mile. It is Mischievous Alex, Attachment Rate is gaining from the back of the pack. Untitled is there. Then Flapjack, on the outside is Sixtoe. Mischievous Alex has a three-length lead and he's going to win the Grade 3 Gotham. Mischievous Alex, it was close for second between Untitled and Attachment Rate. And it's Mischievous Alex who wins paying five fifty with a 90 buyer. So we declined a little bit, but still got the job done. What are your thoughts, Dave? I thought it was a fantastic race. You know, you go back to about halfway down the backstretch, there were nine horses within about a length and three quarters, two lengths. This was just a bunched up field early on and he wasn't in the lead i thought it was fantastic that he was able to sit you know third or fourth that to me that that could be a good thing going forward that he's not a horse that has to be on the lead and freak he sat a little bit eventually he did make his way towards the lead because he's just the most talented horse in this field and looking back at some of the races that day uh, in New York, the outside sweeping move was working for a lot of the winners. So the fact that he won on the rail, I thought it was a huge win. Any thoughts on the also-rans in here? I know that you had bet Montauk traffic. Did you see anything in the trip there? He was just so far out of it. I mean, he was dead last or maybe uh, second to last. Um, Sixto was, was pretty far back in the early stages as well. And he rallied for fourth. You know, it's not like um, he finished last, but I was still expecting a, a little bit more from him, especially when I saw all that much pace early on with all those horses up near the lead. I was hoping that he would fly by them all, and he wasn't able to do it. But, you know, his first start passed seven furlongs, so he picked up a, a few points for finishing fourth. Clearly, he's going to need to do better than that in, in either win or finish second um, in his next prep if he's going to have any chance of getting into the derby. Now, when you see a bunch of horses bunched up like that, but still seems like it's a pretty good clip up front, and then you don't see the closers fly by, what does that kind of tell you? That maybe the closers in the field just aren't good enough, and that it just, even though it was still dominated by up front horses? Well, I guess you kind of have to look at where all the horses that were up front finished. So the the leader, the horse that was in front of uh, Mischievous Alex, was Warstopper. He ended up finishing 10th, so he faded badly. Um, you know, another horse that was up on the lead, Informative, but he was a big price. He ended up finishing seventh. So it's not like they were one, two, three, four, five all the way around the track from start to finish. So I, I think, you know, because some of the horses faded and he went on with it, I'm going to give him a lot of credit. I thought it was one of the more uh, impressive wins that I've seen with from, from the three-year-old prep races. And most people might not be thinking that, but I, I actually like this horse. To me, we have a little bit difference of opinion. I think he's going to be a great one-turn horse, to quote JK on what him and Pete sometimes talk about with uh, one-turn horses. I I think that they'll probably run him in the Wood Memorial, but I think that we're going to find out come later down in the year, he's going to be just a miler and a very strong seven furlong. They have the, they have the stake races at Saratoga for those kind of races. One to be very dangerous around one turn. And if he does end up doing well in the Wood Memorial, he could be dangerous come the first Saturday in May for the Derby. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he can get a, a mile and a quarter, but I, I, li- I liked everything I saw about him in this race. What do you say we jump into the last race, which ended up actually having the best buyer speed figure and the biggest price? It was race number 11 at Tampa Bay Downs going a mile and 116th, the grade two Tampa Bay Derby. What were your thoughts into this one? This was interesting because you had a horse that was supposed to run in the Fountain of Youth, Chance It, that drew post 12, that uh, Safi Joseph uh, scratched out of that one to, to take a shot here in the Tampa Bay Derby as well. But it was a horse that had never raced anywhere but Goldstream. Clearly Tampa, much different surface, deeper, a little bit more tiring. Some, some horses will take to it. Some horses will not. He was obviously a big uh, factor in there. And then you had Silvalante, who looked so good uh, winning this MF Davis. So he had already won the first prep. At Tampa Bay, to me, um, he he was the horse to beat, uh, no doubt about it. For Patrick Biancone, for me, like we had talked about, Chance it obviously scratching due to post position. It was, I was almost actually wishing that he would draw out wide again to see what what they would do. The horse I ended up on was Market Analysis. I love when a horse can win a maiden race and show to come from a little bit off of it, but still with those strong red fractions from time form. It shows that if it does get hot up front, this horse has the wherewithal to still be able to gut it out for the win. I know that he was behind a little bit speed figure wise, but they always seem to improve first to second start chance. It, I thought it was interesting after watching a scene on TV, somewhat struggle out of the mucho macho man last week, having Paco stay on. You never know if Paco's just going to gun him and go 21 to the quarter or whatnot. So it was interesting to see when they got the draw down closer to the rail that I thought they might even send him. A horse like Sol Volante, who just seems to come from out of it, kind of the Harvey Wallbanger-esque, came from 12 out of it in the last race in Tampa. I feel like they just need just the absolute perfect kind of pace setup to be able to get it done. Or if not, they're usually running on for second and third. Yeah, I mean, that's tough to win from 15 back, but but he was able to do it uh, in the Sam F. Davis. The, the long shot that I was looking at, in here was the number three relentless dancer who got burned up on a fast pace in the Holy bowl, uh, ended up finishing fourth behind his and at the Indian. Um, but you know, you go back and you look at the way that he was able to win a nice stakes race at Delta. You don't see Louisiana breads uh, too often on the Kentucky Derby trail, but I gave relentless dancer a decent chance at 21 to one. Before going into this race, obviously you said that you would like Sol Volante on top. What were your thoughts in the market? before the race went off? Did you think that everyone was kind of like right in the right kind of spot or were you more trying to find that overlay? Yeah, I actually got it. It's an underlay because I thought chance it would actually be bet um, mm-hmm. and go favored. But when it was all said and done, uh, Sol Volante was the three to two favorite chance. It ended up going off at five to two. I thought it might be flip flopped. I, that's what kind of made me judge a little bit when I saw chance it at five to two, I thought for sure he would take more money. I'm not saying that I'm smarter than the public, but usually the public can get it right on the odds line. So, like I said, I ended up still staying on market analysis. I just liked the price. I liked that I thought there would be improvement. Where did you go from a wagering aspect in here? Just everything on Relentless Dancer? No. Um, I, I like Sol Volante. So, I, I ended up playing Exactas um, with those two. And, well, we'll see what happens. But I whiffed in the race. What else is new? <laughs> For me, it was an across-the-board bet on market analysis. Let's see if Dave can get what I'm guessing would have been an ice-cold exacta across the line (laughs) here in the grade to Tampa Bay Derby right now. And they're off and running to a perfect start in the 40th renewal 
of the Lamb Home South Tampa Bay Derby. Relentless Dancer is away alertly from the outside, King Guillermo. Now moves up to challenge. Down along the inner rail, that's Texas Swing. Away with the top flight, Spa City is up on the outside. As they circle the clubhouse turn and now sort themselves out. Relentless Dancer now going to the lead. From the outside, King Guillermo is there second. Texas Swing toward the rail, third Spa City is from between horses now fourth. Bye-bye Melvin in the three-path racing along fifth. Then it's one length farther back to market analyst toward the rail now sixth. Chance it with clear racing room on the outside seventh. Then it's three lengths farther back. Momosa is there toward the rail and now racing along eighth. Up on the outside, that's Unrighteous. Now racing along ninth. There's two and a half lengths farther back. Soleil Volante is at this point racing along 11th and tons of gold is 12th and last. A half mile to run in the Lamb Home South Tampa Bay Derby. Relentless Dancer and Gallardo trying to take him start to finish. Long shot King Guillermo going after the leader second. Texas Swing is there toward the rail third. Three lengths farther back. Market Endless set down for the drive fourth and there goes Chancet on the outside and Paco Lopez sets him down for the drive, and he's picking off horses one by one. But meanwhile, up front at 50 to 1, King Guillermo now going to the lead. Here's King Guillermo on the outside trying to pull a huge upset. Chancet is storming home on the outside. Inside the final furlong, do you believe this? King Guillermo at 49 to 1. He doesn't just win it, he wins it off impressively. Sole Volante from absolutely last for second. Texas Swing was third. King Guillermo gets it done paying $100.40 with the highest buyer of the weekend, a 99. I guess we were both way off in this race. Yeah, I mean, there are few times when you can red board and still not come up with the winner. I mean, I'm looking at this horse on paper and I still don't see how this happened. I, I look at it. I see the maiden win 88 and they just ran him right on back turf. On, on turf. And then he loses to Sol Volante and everyone's saying, well, he lost by three and a quarter to Sol Volante, but he, he still has to be able to switch surfaces properly. Like I understand that he ran somewhat close to Sol Volante. I just, and now I hear that they're not even going to prep him again. They're just going to go straight into the gate. And I just think it's the most craziest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah, it's too long for a horse that's not, you know, got the foundation to go a mile and a quarter. But, hey, you know, good luck. The, they won I the race, I had right? a horse that was in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Sol Volante finishing on the board. Thoughts for the other horses in the race? I thought it was a good race for Sol Volante. He's kind of in behind horses around the turn. Had to wait for the rail to open up. And when it did, he burst through. Um, that That's the type of run that that I'm encouraged about, you know, the, the longer they go as they continue to, to stretch out, certain, clearly going to help his chances. So definitely still on my uh, list of horses that can win the Kentucky Derby. Um, Relentless Dancer wasn't terrible. You know, he was up on the lead. He was actually the horse that was inside of the 50 to one shot King Guillermo when they turned for home and he got put away and finished fourth. You know, the, the real disappointment, I guess, would be chance it. He didn't have, much of an excuse, you know, he's right there in contention turning for home and it's kind of flattened out then down the lane. So maybe they're going to have to reevaluate what their future plans are with him. Maybe it, is he going to be one of those horses? that's more a Preakness type of a horse than a Derby horse. Now for me, looking back now at the race market analysis was not the only pleasure made in the race. Texas swing was as well from the rail, really nice race, 19 to one, 
ran pretty close to Solvolante, but they both got blown away by this King Guillermo horse. I think that coming out of this race now, and the buyer was good too, which is astounding to me. So I just don't even know what to do with this race until most of them run back. I think it's interesting that they are going to, like you said, go straight to the Derby, so we won't know what he'll be until that day. I think it's just a very, very strange race, and one that maybe we'll see Solvolante come back and win, and that might end up giving him a little bit of an edge coming Derby day. Yeah, Solvolante would be would be the only horse in this field that I'm going to continue on with. Interesting. Uh, nothing for Texas Swing, even though he ran third? No, I mean, he, he was basically third all the way around there, close to 20 to 1. He ran a good race, but the way that Solvolante was able to, to just blow by him late, um, uh, I'm not going to move forward with Texas Swing, as, as far as the Derby goes. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. I would like to thank my special guest, Dave Weaver, for coming on. Thank you so much, Dave. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, you could find me on Twitter at Ice Cold Exacta. Yeah, I'm I'm at Ice Cold Exacta. I'm I'm on Instagram, but I've never made a post there. I don't even know how to use it. Although I have an <laughs> account, if you put anything on Instagram, I won't see it. Um, but yeah, Twitter at Ice Cold Exacta. Appreciate it so much, Dave. Thanks for coming on. I'm going to go watch some replays and uh, buy some handicapping books now. Thanks to all of our great fans for listening to this show and my special guest, Dave Weaver. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. In The Money Media's president is Pierre Thomas Fornatel. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. And our In The Money Media business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl, and we will see you next time. Nowhere to hide from our love is.